Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. And now, part two. Mary, can you address the physical hazards causing musculoskeletal disorders like back injuries as well? Well, the the whole long-standing attention has been paid to lifting and not just moving patients in and out of beds, but across from a bed to a gurney, for instance. And the staffing is critical for that. So heavy lifting is one thing, but lots of awkward postures when you're trying to do procedures is another issue. Even in a hospital where I was at not that long ago was a children's hospital where there are lots and lots of cords and machines and obstacles to actually reaching, even though the patients are small in some cases, and children's hospitals have ranges of patients, you know, to very large teenagers, right? But the inability to be mobile in, in an environment where there's so many machines and cords causes a lot of trip hazards and falls. And so back injuries has been a, a huge issue and other musculoskeletal problems for and known for quite some time now. And, you know, a lot of it may have to do with staffing. And in our healthcare industry, which is often really generated by the bottom line and a for-profit motive, even in a non-for-profit facility, you may not have the proper staffing you need to actually address the acuity of the patients. I mean, Barbara mentioned the nurse-patient ratio, but that has to do with a number of factors of delivering patient care that may not have to do with some of these other elements that involve actually physically taking, you know, handling patients and transferring patients and moving them. Right. I, I do understand Sorry. that piece of it. Um, how can we make our voices heard around all the hazards, not just back injuries? That is the million-dollar question. I mean, I think unions are certainly an important way to have voices heard and uh, using data, the NIOSH study has many recommendations, and NIOSH, NIOSH itself, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, and other worker advocacy groups have had recommendations for many years about the interventions that are needed, but then you need to have the political will and the organizational structure and will to actually involve nurses in decision-making and planning and safety committees and Everyone needs to be involved, and I agree. I, I I personally do think that nursing schools need to be providing health and safety education to students right from the very beginning, and not just in nursing school and medical school, dental, any type of healthcare profession needs to be learning this early on so then they can be a voice for themselves. You know, people really have to be advocates for themselves and be empowered to do so. I'd like to suggest a couple of other things. OSHA generally leaves hospitals alone, and they uh, told us that they did that because they assumed hospitals were as safe and as healthy as they possibly could could be. And several years ago, we, the Alliance Nurses for Healthy Environments, along with Healthcare Without Harm and the ANA at the time, did a survey in order to generate some preliminary data about how many exposures nurses had, which were many. And then we also asked them about um, their health status and the health status of any babies that, that were born to them. And we found, based on their exposures, there were beginning correlations of exposures to anesthetic gases, exposures even to those who were administering certain kinds of drugs. So there were different risks of health incidents in these nurses, depending on what kinds of drugs they uh, administered regularly. And so we took this information to NIOSH and said, 
look, you need to really help with studying this further, and we need OSHA involved in, you know, looking at hospitals, not ignoring them entirely. So that's one thing. The other is we worked with several unions around the country that represent nurses, and we developed some model contract language about chemical safety. And I can um, send that to you folks so you can put it on your website because it's a range of possible additions that can be added to their contract, which then gives them an added level of protection that non-unionized nurses would not have. And then safety committees actually writing into contract language that it requires there to be safety committees and maybe labor management committees and that there be a decision-making structure for that. If something comes up that a nurse is concerned about, that within the context of that safety committee, they have some authority to make those changes. So these are just some additional things. Yeah, absolutely. So Barbara, you you did mention a couple of organizations. Can you just let our listeners know real quick what, what the organizations were again? The ANA Healthcare Without Harm and their website is simply noharm.org. And they've got some great uh, information on nurses and greening your hospital and uh, pharmaceuticals, waste, and a bunch of things that I think your listeners would be quite interested in. Perfect. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Professor of Public Health Barbara Sattler and Occupational Health Nurse Consultant Mary E. Miller about workplace hazards in the healthcare profession. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com. 